and welcome to another episode of Rainbow Road. I am your host, Travis Ryans. Once again, joining us is co-host Mike. Mike, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Travis, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, we've got a special episode lined up for uh, this episode, uh, <laughs> is what I'm <laughs> is what I'm saying. Uh, yes, we do in fact have an episode. It's what they're listening to right now. <laughs> you can tell. You can tell we've been very steady on the recording uh, because. <laughs> I'm very not awkward and very uh, on top of everything that's happening, and we're just flowing. We're just we're vibing. We're, we're vibing. vibing. We're flowing. We're vibing. It's great. Uh, we do want to apologize to our listeners. We're sorry. We kind of disappeared for a little while. Mike got COVID. I got COVID. I got a new job. Mike's workplace burned down. Like, there's been a lot going it's on. It's been a lot. It's been a time. It's been a whole time. Yeah, it's just it, a lot has happened, but we are back. We are here. Our mental health is at an all-time low, and so because of that, today, we are going to be talking mental health. Uh, joining us to talk today is Mariah Milan, who is a registered marriage and family therapist under the supervision of J.S. Vary at Chosen Family Therapy. Uh, Mariah, how you doing? I am P.T. Keen. Hello, all. Hello. Uh, so uh, tell us about yourself. So what is it that you do exactly? Okay, so I am an associate marriage and family therapist. Um, I'm just accruing hours until I become like a big old like licensed therapist. But on the way, I see clients, mostly couples, teens and adults. Very cool. Very cool. And so why is it that you reached out to us to do an episode about uh, mental health? You know, we're a queerness and gaming podcast. What was what was the link uh, that brought you to us? So the first point is I am a gamer myself. Yeah, I am right. a self-described nerd, otaku, however you want to call me. I, I take <laughs> all those names. And so my therapy is centered on geek nerd and gamer specific therapies. A lot of people don't know that therapists and therapies like what I practice exist. And I also work in an LGBTQ specific site. So Chosen Family Therapy, we like to say that we like to help nonconformists stay sparkly. I love that. Exactly. I like to call myself a sparkle homie in addition to being a therapist. So we go on sparkle. <laughs> and so I figured what better way to let folks know that I and we exist, but to come out to a great LGBTQ and gaming centric podcast. Well, we're so glad you did. We've been wanting to do a mental health episode. Kind of like, I, I think since the start of it, I think that was on our list mm -hmm. of episodes we wanted to get to at some point. Uh, we actually were lucky enough to guest on another podcast that focuses specifically on mental health and they wanted to do a gaming episode. So now we're kind of doing the reverse. Uh, if you haven't, we'll make sure to link that in there. It's uh, QBT with uh, Shawnee and Jeremy. They're, they're great. But yeah, jumping back to what we're doing here. So you said that you focus a lot on video games. So I, I know a little bit about like play therapies, for instance. So is, is that similar? Is that different? Like how, how do video games get involved with this? What I like to tell my clients is that this can take whatever form your kind of geekery takes, meaning we can make this into a play therapy-esque thing where we have a platform in which we work via gaming. So the thing we're doing right now is we're doing like D&D &D group and individual therapy. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> yes. So that's how we would make it more play therapy-like. Um, the other thing we do is if people simply want to do more talk therapy, more traditional style, is I utilize the kind of love of gaming in the therapy process. So interventions and modalities are altered to feature kind of gaming precepts, gaming lore, and integrate sort of where the client is at 
in their gaming love. Okay. Sorry, can mm-hmm. you unpack that a little bit? I don't I don't really Yes, I, I can. I, I'm so fascinated, but I'm also like confused. <laughs> you want to know what? That's how I get them in. I get them wondering <laughs> and then I start to answer questions. So, I know that that sounded vague or maybe not vague enough, but let me explain. So, an example would be sort of like externalization. So in a lot of narrative therapy, we use externalizing problems. So we believe that the problem is the problem. The person is not the problem, right? Mm-hmm. So we'd externalize it as something that is outside of you. Typically, that comes with like a name, a visual, some way for the client to conceptualize and the therapist the problem. What we can do to make it more gamified is as opposed to externalizing anxiety as an abstract, Mm -hmm. anxiety becomes like Ganon and then you're Link. Ah. So we already know that Link is capable of defeating Ganon. It's been done many a times. And then we say, okay, you as Link, how do you defeat Ganon or how does Ganon show up in your life and we use language that is more understandable to folks in gaming there's a broader concept in therapy of using the language of your clients and that's sort of how I see this if your air quotes language is twitch gaming speak then it wouldn't make sense me kind of Academicizing, or however one could say that word, making academic, bookifying, yeah, bookifying, <laughs> yeah. however you want to say it, making it highbrow. Um, so it wouldn't work doing that if that's not how you use your language, if that's mm-hmm. not how you conceptualize things. Right? Yeah, because it's it's really it's about your relationship with the client, yes, getting them through or or getting them to defeat the anxiety Ganon, as we've so called him. Yes, exactly. Okay. Okay. Interesting. And I mean, you really are nailing it in of speaking someone's language. If you are speaking about Legend of Zelda to Mike, Mm -hmm. you are putting that in words that Mike can understand. (laughs) Uh, Very much so. Yeah, I'm a huge Zelda fan. I feel like anxiety, you know, it's 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 a feeling, right? Mm -hmm. It's definitely something that people struggle with on a daily basis. But as much as it can be a hindrance, it can also be a help, right? Like it's a double-edged sword. Yes. So are you worried about like maybe banishing, like sort of putting it into this like shadow realm where like anxiety becomes persona non grata. It's like, it's like not a thing anymore. And so the person is like not able to use anxiety as a helpful mechanism as well. You know, it's like, does that concern come into the atmosphere for you? So I guess it depends on sort of how we're making this discourse around anxiety. What I mean by that is, you know, my example with Ganon and Link, Mm -hmm. that was just like my example. What I typically do with my clients is I let them decide. So as opposed to me stating their anxiety equals Ganon, Mm -hmm. I just have a very open conversation with them. Like, how does anxiety look for you? And if you were to assign it to something, something external to you, what would that be? And so they get to make the decision and they get to kind of externalize it in a way that fits for them. So it's not about me making the decision as to what kind of position anxiety needs to be placed. I wouldn't ascribe it to be a villain because it's not my right to ascribe it to that, you know? Right, yeah, totally. So I'd really let my client decide. And if they're like, okay, well, anxiety is my waifu. I'm like, hell yeah, let's let's explore that waifu. What gotcha did it come from? And so I let them tell me how anxiety appears in their life and how they want to relate to it and how they want to see it. So in that sense... If anxiety is something that can be helpful, we can have a discourse about that. Mm -hmm. I believe that oftentimes when things like that come in, they do 
oftentimes come in for negative reasons, but there also could be a protective factor in there. And you're right. If we don't acknowledge that reality, then we're just kind of broad stroking something as a grand negative when it's not always the case. Yeah. Wow. That is an amazing answer. Thank you. It's really fascinating to hear the way that people will describe their struggles with mental illness. Like, I think I heard one person say once that their anxiety was like the boss music constantly playing, even when there was no boss around. Oh, I love that. And and as a gamer, you get those weird flashbacks of why the fuck is there a boss music? I just walked into this room. (laughs) Cough, cough, Elden Ring. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's really great that you give your clients sort of the, the space to put it in their own terms, their own experience, stuff like that. Um, that's really cool. Yeah. So you mentioned it was sort of involved with narrative therapy. So mm-hmm. why choose to focus on video games specifically? Is it just because of your clients? Or do you feel like video games offer certain advantages or insights or things like that that other narrative mediums like literature or cinema or things maybe don't offer? Like, what is it that's unique about gaming that works well for you with your practice? So there are like two answers to that. Okay. In the most basic sense, I believe, and this is a personal belief, you should meet a person slash client where they're at. Mm -hmm. So if where they're at is that they're a gamer, I should meet them there. If I'm going to truly respect and affirm, I should be where they are. So if where they are is like painting a picture, then hell yeah, let's let's understand painting. But many of my clients where they're at is gaming. Yeah. So that's probably the first reason. The second is a little bit veering into kind of my history with mental health. A lot of times you hear of gaming and gamers vilified. It's this grand catch-all problem that people like to pin <laughs> almost everything on. Being a gamer myself, it's like, I was very much othered by that. I felt like, Mm -hmm. okay, there's something wrong with me that I'd rather spend four hours dungeon crawling than like kicking a soccer ball. And also who wants to kick a soccer ball? (laughs) But the way the discourse surrounds it is that that is a problem. Yeah. So I wanted to show folks like me that Number one, this is not a problem. Number two, this can be curative. And number three, if you're going to be respected and affirmed, you should find somebody who does so. And so I wanted to offer something that I didn't feel was necessarily offered as widely or as openly. Yeah. So that's why gaming. Also, I'm a gamer. If I'm going to be here for an hour, we got to talk about something we enjoy. Like, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a person, you're a person. Gaming's fun. So that's how I also like to run my sessions. Like, I like to have fun. I know therapy is a scary process, and this doesn't minimize that fact. But therapy doesn't always need to be this negative thing. Therapy can be like a client coming in today being like, Girl, I tried to beat Elden Ring and I failed. I lost five times that damn Scarlet Rot. And then we just vibe on the fact that Scarlet Rot sucks. So sometimes that's what therapy looks like. Therapy looks like different things for different people. But once again, oftentimes the people that I see, therapy looks like gaming. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I love this concept of of meeting people where they're at. I think that's so beautiful. I think that's so amazing. Because if people are going to do the work, and let's face it, therapy is work. Mm -hmm. You need to have people feel comfortable in a space where they have let themselves cognitively explore and grow. And and maybe that's the world of Elden. What's the what is the world of Elden Ring called? Does it have a name? The Forgotten Lands, I think, isn't it? The Lands Between. 
the lands. Oh, between. lands between. So maybe oh, okay, maybe yeah. that world is the lands between. Uh, there's this really great YouTube channel that everyone should check out called Psych of Play. Just fantastic. They always take sort of like a thesis of each episode, comparing psychological studies to video games. Um, so there's uh, one that talks about the Soulsborne series and how it's helped people with depression because it gives them a sense of agency, a sense of progression. They can point to that and like that is a thing where I was failing and doing poorly and I practiced and I got better. And that is something that I can apply to the rest of my life. Where if I put the, the work in and like it gives people that sense of, of agency, really fantastic series. Just just go check out Psych of Play on YouTube. It's really, really cool. Speaking to that point, I know this is a little bit off topic. I no, go for We it. don't do tangents on the show, Mariah. We don't we don't do ta- I'm just saying we don't we don't do tangents. We don't we don't ever go off topic. We stay focused, <laughs> laser focused on I'm just kidding, go ahead. <laughs> I'd like to roll an insight check on that. Uh, <laughs> I got particularly inspired the other day and I wrote a blog post of my top five favorite video games, of which I included Elden Ring. And it was for a similar kind of concept. Oh, yeah. um, I focused on the fact that difficulty doesn't always beget failure, mm-hmm. meaning just because something is hard, that doesn't mean that you're inherently going to fail at it. And it has built a community around struggling but succeeding. Yeah. So I often find it's oddly hopeful or hope giving to clients and yes it may take you 30 40 50 times but it's doable yeah and it shows that we all have the capacity to do things even the things that seem impossible mm-hmm. i was watching a youtube video recently that was sort of uh, exploring the idea that the the pursuit is often the reward right it's not mm-hmm. you know when you get to the thing that you're trying to get to like and, and it's funny even before i started my university career like all my friends had told me, like, get ready because when you graduate, it's not going to fill you with this, like, feeling of success. And so I, thanks to my friends, I was so primed for, like, this feeling of deflation that happens, like, when you finish your undergraduate. Uh, and I think the same can be said for anything that is, like, difficult, anything that is challenging. It's like, don't expect the medal or the trophy or the certificate to be the thing that gives you the good feelings because you need to enjoy the pursuit. It's like the difficulty of the challenge should be the thing that you find enjoyable. And if you find enjoyable, like going through this town of people where there's like screaming ladies who are dancing at you and then like attacking this boss like that, that's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm basing this off of like what I've heard from my friend Chris. Um, yeah, there are ladies and there are windmills and then there are death ladies. You are you are right there. Yes, okay, I guys. have flashbacks so, to it. <laughs> this is, so yeah, it's like if that's where you're at, then I'm gonna meet you there. Yeah. Like let's let's meet there. You're not here to get to my level. Mm-hmm. I'm here to get to yours. Right. Very cool. I love that. Same. You had mentioned that your choice to sort of focus on gaming and stuff like that had come from some of your own experiences with mental health. Mm-hmm. I thought it'd be really nice if like, because I know there's such a stigma around people talking about things like this. If the three of us could just sort of go around talking about our own histories with mental health. Sure. Yeah. So my mental health journey began with me not feeling like I fit. A little bit about me is I am a black female living in Southern California, specifically Orange County. So there's not many of us around. Um, (laughs) So I spent a good lot of my life being either the singular one or one of two black folks in my school. So it was a lot of feelings of otherness. 
yeah. in addition to being just like a self-described flag flying weeb i was i was the girl who would walk to school with like the naruto hidden leaf headband thinking i was all kinds yes. of fly. <laughs> yeah got myself a yaoi paddle and everything so it, i was a sight love it but in so doing it made it so i was also you know a sight for bullies so a lot of the therapy that i accessed a lot of kind of the trauma from that age was just where do I fit in not only being a black female in a largely white world, but being somebody who's interested in anime and gaming and who gets bullied? Where where am I? Where do I go? So I met with a lot of older therapists who, though great, either didn't see gaming as something that helped mm-hmm. or just flat out labeled it as the source of my problems like if you didn't if you weren't interested in this maybe it would be easier things like that Mm -hmm. so i felt a lot of not being understood not just at school but within the confines of the place that was supposed to help me yeah and so i wanted to make sure that i offered a different experience to folks like me i've i've definitely experienced something similar where it's like my experience directly with some clinicians has been like, here's a questionnaire. Like, are you depressed? It's like, you know, they're asking you a bunch of questions and then they're trying to just like sort you into a box and to figure out a, a, a course correction. But I also found that approach to be really sterile and also a little bit overwhelming. And interestingly, like if I hadn't have had an education in psychology at my university, like I, I was like imagining people going through the same system and just kind of taking it at face value as where I was like, oh, this is like kind of bullshit because I definitely know what you're getting at, you know? So like I've, I've, I've seen the trick on the other side of the table. Like I know what's happening and I just feel like it wasn't jiving. You felt like you were being led to a diagnosis as opposed to being analyzed for your actual situation right exactly it's like through no fault of the people that i've I've been interacting with like a lot of these folks have just been like in a system and a system that like doesn't necessarily recognize uh like a cohort of individuals who may be uh more nuanced than something that they're used to they're like yeah this is what we've seen before and you're like fitting into that criteria and it's like "Eh, you know maybe maybe not so much uh and it's why like the dsm for instance is like constantly being updated and there's always like debates over like what should be in it and how things should be defined and like i mean even fucking uh homosexuality was in the fucking dsm until you know yeah what year was that i don't know too recently (laughs) too recently recently. so exactly you know these things are evolving and 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 changing but anyways that is to say that my experience with mental health has been has been long uh it's been a long journey and and i find uh, mariah honestly i find your approach to to therapy like really inspiring (laughs) to the point where like i i'm actually so sold on your approach I feel like right now, if I were a listener of our show, I'd feel like this is sponsored content. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it was that, that was like, the discussion we had beforehand. And I'm like, okay, how do we make it so it doesn't sound like that? I, just, I was like, I was totally like, not sponsored. Totally not no, sponsored. No, not sponsored. It is not. <laughs> I just happen to be really cool. <laughs> Travis, what what has been your journey with mental health like in a nutshell? So I I've mentioned on the podcast on a, a couple different episodes. Um, I grew up in a very abusive household. And that started my journey into therapy on a really rough foot because I ended up seeing the same therapist as my abusive brother. And in one of the first sessions I had said to him, like, I honestly don't feel safe at home. I 
I know this sounds crazy, but I honestly think he wants me dead some days. And the therapist just stared blankly at me. Oh, yeah. No, no. He's told me that before. Oh, my. <laughs> like, so not only is that a massive violation of privacy from your other client, uh, that does not make me feel safe at home. Yeah. So, yeah let me validate like, your feelings uh, of concern surrounding your mortality. Yeah. So uh, that, that did not start me off on a great foot with therapy. Uh, and I basically did not want to talk about mental health for a very long time uh, because of my experiences with it so far. But I was vaguely aware of let's just say problems uh, going on up there. A friend of mine uh, had tried to take his own life when I was maybe about 22. And I thought to myself, okay, this is what happens if you let mental health problems fester without being addressed. So I, I need to to get assessed. I got the diagnosis for complex PTSD, uh, ADHD, which I was really not surprised about. But then also, while I was seeing the psychiatrist, one of the sessions I came in very manic, uh, and he was like, whoa, this is a change. We need to talk about this. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I feel great. I feel fine. What are you talking about? He's like, okay, so the speed at which you just spoke is a little concerning. So he then started explaining bipolar to me, and I then realized that, yes, that does absolutely describe the the experiences I'm having. So I've got three diagnoses to deal with, which is fun. So yeah, it's kind of been a bumpy journey, but uh, I'm I'm in a very good place with my mental health now. I've kind of got the three of them in check through medication and coping strategies and stuff like that. So I'm very happy about that. One of the things that I find really interesting is that I, like having these diagnoses, I, I've seen PTSD reflected really well in, uh, in gaming. I can think of several different things. Um, you know, Spec Ops the Line jumps out to me immediately. But for bipolar, I haven't really seen a lot of great representation for it in video games. And I do think it's kind of interesting to see, like, how you could compare mania with depression and stuff like that. But I wanted to ask you as a professional, how do you feel about gaming sort of depiction of mental illnesses? Are there any, like, standout examples to you that are really good or really bad or anything like that? Yeah, Indie titles are really good or tend to be a little bit better in regards to depiction of mental health. And I think it's because they're not always as constrained by like a larger company. Yeah. So like things like Gris. I'm also super big on um, Sayonara Wild Hearts. I know that that's not like a particular depiction of a mental illness, but just kind of like the hopefulness of getting over a breakup I thought was cool. Yeah. Um, And so there are some good examples in more indie titles. Where I tend to have issues, a lot of AAA titles tend to be in two camps. Either the mentally ill individual or the individual with mental health issues is weak and incapable and they must be protected. So they're just like coddled and infantilized, which is not great. Or it's like the person with mental health struggles is like this evil villain, like mustache twiddling bond villain so true wow they're just unstable they're unpredictable they're definitely antagonistic and their motives are distilled down to just like she crazy and that that's essentially (laughs) all all they do and then they just move on um as far as games that i like and i will preface this by saying they're not perfect but i do enjoy them One in particular was Persona, the Persona series, but specifically five. I like the way that the main character, as well as kind of like your main party, all are going through things that typically are like 
not said out loud, if you know what I mean. In a yeah. lot of normal discourse, normal gaming, there's discussions of abuse, sexual assault, self-harm, things like that. And it's done in such a way where the characters who are expressing these things are given quite a bit of respect. Um, and I say respect in as much respect as a AAA title can give, right? The other thing is I like its depiction of the different sides and facets of a person. Mm -hmm. So there's this thing in therapy called shadow work. It's based on the work of Carl Jung. And it's in essence encouraging folks to integrate disowned or suppressed parts of their personalities. And I think that Persona 5, especially through its like mask system, does that really well. It exemplifies it because the whole thing, um, not to spoil too much about kind of the machinations of Persona 5, a multi-year-old game, but <laughs> when a lot of the main characters are faced with a palace that is in relationship to them, i.e. on with... Um, her particular palace or her abuser's palace, um, they are given a mask and basically they face a part of themselves that they might not like. So something like rage, self-hate, anger, fear. And then their main persona comes out and they're given a bond with the mask, right? To me, I see that as taking a bond with a part of yourself that up until that point you thought was not okay. Mm -hmm. So I think the way they do that, the way that the personas are characterized as this is a part of you and you're choosing to accept it, you're choosing to enter this bond and this relationship and it becomes a part of you and that's okay. I quite like that in particular. I also like just sort of the concept of these adults and I know that that sounds like very much I'm 12 and this is deep. <laughs> but if we're trying to extend this kind of further to its logical kind of like height of adults equaling like the system, the the broader policies, the broader society in place that chooses kind of what dictates normality, what dictates health, what dictates proper functioning. If we say that these adults aren't always correct and sometimes it takes a delinquent child to make a change, I think that's super empowering because it's not the broader air quote system that changes hearts it's the teenagers that do that recognize no this shit is not okay and we're gonna fucking fix it yeah the other thing is i'm a hard stand of disco elysium major stand <laughs> of disco elysium um so i will once again preface it's not always the best you know harry's not always the best but i like <laughs> how it shows kind of the thought processes of somebody who might have mental health issues, yes. i.e. the intrusive thoughts where it's like sometimes you're just trying to fucking use logic yep. and then drama's like over here like, no, bitch, <laughs> I say whatever he chooses to say. The intrusive thoughts there yep. that sometimes despite your best efforts, despite your best efforts to roll logic, to do something cool, it fucking fails. Yep. It shows kind of how out of control one can feel when these various things assaulting your mind aren't within your control. Yeah. And I just think of the presentations of mental health issues, I found that to be a little bit more genuine than a lot of them, just because the player was allowed to attempt something and fail. And I know it goes back to old like tabletop convention, but... I still thought it was cool for a title to do that. Yeah, for sure. I was going to say, like, I, I know there's the obvious answer of Celeste. I mean, the, the entire thing is about overcoming, you know, uh, mental health struggles. 
But in my never-ending quest to shove Kingdom Hearts into any discussion, <laughs> oh my topic, gosh, yes, I, I will be doing it. I'm I'm good with this. So I mean, do you have you played Kingdom Hearts, Mariah? Or? So I've played all of the main line, but I stopped at the Big Hero Six level of three. But and I also played Dream Drop Distance and that one other one on the GBA. Also, I realized I aged the hell out of myself. Yes, girl had a GBA. So I, <laughs> yes. I had the handheld ones and then they cool. started making more and I lived life differently. Yeah, that's that is fair. That is fair. Um, what I was saying is just for anyone who um, skipped over our Kingdom Hearts episode, uh, you know, good call. Uh, but I <laughs> would say um, really quickly, the the forces of sort of light and darkness in the game a character is corrupted essentially when they let darkness overtake their heart, when they let extremely negative emotions sort of start dictating their actions, things like rage, jealousy, sorrow, uh, that kind of thing. And I've always found that really interesting because it could so easily become this thing of like villainizing negative emotions or weakness or things like that. But the game takes it as sort of a fact of like light will beget darkness. There will always be negative things about your life. It's how do you choose to react and move on with that? There's a lot of shame and stigma around Riku's character because he was so filled with darkness. And yes, he's had bad things happen to him and he's had to live with that and move on from it. And that is not a, should not be a point of shame for him or stigmatization. It should just be part of who he is and he has learned to live with it and move on from it and make it a better part of himself. And I, I just, I love that. I love it so much. Mm -hmm, Same. (laughs) Love that depiction in Kingdom Hearts. That makes me want to play Kingdom Hearts more than I have before. (laughs) If if you want to borrow it, you know, I've got it. I I do know. I know. I know. Well, because not to name drop, but like Brene Brown also, she like talks a lot about shame examination as well. So I'm just like, this is like, I thought you were going to say Kingdom Hearts and I had a hot moment. I'm like, she had a Ted talk about Kingdom Hearts. Oh my God. (laughs) If Brene Brown talked about Kingdom, does Brene Brown like play video games? This is like a good question. I feel like we, we have name drop enough. Perhaps she'll hear and do it. The request is for a Kingdom Hearts TED Talk. Listen, if you're out there, if you're listening, reach out to us. We'll talk about it. We'll just redo the Kingdom Hearts episode. I'm fine with that. Okay, I was also going to ask, so like a lot of people seem to think about mental health as a direct link between mental illness. And the idea is that, that you don't have to have a clinical diagnosis or, you know, anything, for lack of a better word, wrong with you to, to care about your mental health. Uh, you know, and a lot of people don't really realize that you, you can have fitness and wellness with your mental health in the same way that you can have with your physical health. Do you feel like there are any games or genres or mechanics or things like that that are really good for people's mental health fitness? So something that even if you are not, you know, suffering from clinical depression or things like that, but that people can still find good use out of? Yes, I do. So I'm going to start with the most basic of basic takes and then I'm going to go to like a Fuego-ish take. So my basic of basic taste is the UGG and pumpkin spice latte of video games. And yes, I do mean Animal Crossing. I feel like that is the most basic, like comfy video game list take. But I think there's some validity to it. There's a reason why it was the obsession of many during the COVID era. It offers to people a space in which they can just live and be themselves and do so freely without a fear of negative consequence. Mm -hmm. I oftentimes encourage it to my clients who are trying to get a better understanding or a better feel of gender. So 
if they want to kind of experience what it's like to be in their affirmed gender, but they want to do so without fear of perhaps physical violence or other kinds of violence, I say, hey, make an Animal Crossing island in which you are your affirmed gender. And then there's no fear of like a villager is going to say anything negative because they're not programmed to. In that same ilk, I would say like a Stardew or like if you want to be real OG with it, Harvest Moon, but they've gotten kind of bad over the recent years. <laughs> uh, no offense to Harvest Moon, but, um, but it's probably true. Stardew. <laughs> yeah. If I wanted to recommend one of the two, it'd be Stardew. Um, that gives more of a sense of things to do. So a sense of accomplishment that can be great if you're the sort of individual who feels a bit better about him or herself when you have something to do. Right. Mm -hmm. That and it also is great because it offers same sex marriage, which is pretty unique for a bigger title, I would say. As far as my a little bit hotter take, as I've already said, I I am a big Souls fan. I am big in (laughs) Elden Ring and I wholeheartedly recommend Elden Ring and I'm going to tell you why. So (laughs) despite the negative opinion some people have about the community, I've found that at least in Elden Ring, when you're asking to co-op, I can't talk about if you're being invaded, so we're just going to stick with co-op. It's very much supportive. Mm -hmm. And I think that can be useful if in your life you're kind of being ground down, if you're feeling like, shit, where is my success? Where the fuck is my Elden Ring? When am I going to be Elden Lord? You can go into this game and yes, it's going to be hard. But there's a whole community that not only knows the struggle, so they understand, but are oftentimes willing to help, willing to assist, willing to play like half of the game with you. I co-opted with this rando for a good like five, six hours in the game. Not because I couldn't do it because your girl could, but (laughs) it was like somebody was willing to go through the trials and tribulations with me and I knew I wasn't alone. Mm -hmm. So I also recommend that. If we're talking about just kind of like narrative driven titles, and this is, I will wholeheartedly admit, just a lot of personal bias, but Near Automata. I think Near Automata is a triumph of video gaming in general because of how it eschews typical gaming convention, but also how it shows you that in the midst of all of this, you're not alone. And there are people who are willing to support you. And there are people who believe in you. That takeaway message from a game that at times can be quite bleak. Yeah. So in this bleak ass world where it seems like there's destruction and dystopia, which is not unlike what a lot of us are going through now, there are people who are willing to support you. So cool. I love that. That's that's oh really my cool. god. I'm so, I'm sorry. I'm like actually just so moved. <laughs> I need to like take a second. It like it honestly it makes me think of of Journey a little bit. I know. Yes. That no oh one's my playing gosh. Journey these days, but it makes me think of that. Okay, there are twos of us out there right now. <laughs> twos of us. I I am still out there with my fucking white cloaked ass character helping out the one person that may or may not be an NPC bless their heart so there are there are twos of us oh now I just want to go back and play it the fact that there is no voice chat there is none of that and it's just a literal journey with somebody who has no real connection to you but is willing to see you through to the end So what a lot of my uh, clients come in with is they come in with a sense that they are alone. 
that nobody gets them, nobody understands, and that they're going through all of this shit by themselves. It's a sense of social isolation. Yes, yes. And um, you had actually asked me this earlier, why gaming? Mm-hmm. And I say why gaming in that a lot of my clients come to me saying that they are very much alone. But when I talk to them, they can tell me about these beautiful worlds, these beautiful connections that they've made in game, right? So you'll have like the Final Fantasy fourteen player who has their own like party and their own group and they run like a whole little house. They clearly have the capacity to make connection and there's people who want to make connection with them. And so that's why I'm big on gaming because gaming opens up possibilities that just functionally seem so scary in the real world. And so that's why I use gaming as like a middle ground. It's a very safe intermediary of, okay, I get that you're so capable in this gaming world. So you know you can do these. You know that this is possible. So we'll introduce gaming here because gaming is safe. Gaming's comfortable. And once we're able to kind of talk through it and use it, then those very skills that you're so good at in game can be translated to real life. I know it might sound kind of overly ambitious and optimistic, but trust it works. Because you, you've you seen it, you've done it yeah. in these worlds. You've become Elden Lord. You've become a warrior of light. You've done these things. Mm-hmm. And we just need to figure out how we can kind of parlay that into real life. So that's why gaming, going back to that. <laughs> it all comes full circle. I love it. Mm-hmm. So you also said that uh, your practice focuses uh, a lot on queer people. Mm-hmm. Obviously, gaming has become very popular. But why specifically do you think queer people have gravitated towards gaming for community? Um, I know that this does not apply to all games, but I think such a large swath of them allow folks to be how they want to be. And I say how as the broad how as opposed to simply who, because you don't merely need to be a who in a game. You can be a what or a thing or whatever gives you comfort. So I think offering that uniqueness to folks that in some places, it isn't safe to experience oneself like that. It takes the concept of affirmed gender to the umpteenth degree and that you can be an affirmed anything in a game. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's like, I can play Final Fantasy and I can be a bunny girl and like, fuck yeah, I'm a bunny girl, period. <laughs> and so I think it offers that. It offers an opportunity to live in such a way that can be so affirming and so beautiful And you don't have to fear the potential for danger. And I think that's such a big thing in the LGBTQ plus community where it's not always safe. Though we try to talk in progressive statements of, oh, yeah, you can be who you want. Sometimes you you can't. It's not safe physically or mentally Mm -hmm. or however. Mm -hmm. Um, But these games offer a very unique space. So I think that's probably one of the bigger reasons. And the second, and this is speaking from personal experience, like you can be fucking weird and nobody (laughs) can tell you no. Yeah. It's like I can wear a fucking bubble suit in a game and be a rainbow ass (laughs) unicorn if I so chose. And nobody can say, wow, that's not right. Because, like, who the fuck are they? This is <laughs> yeah. a solo-ass game. <laughs> yep. It also offers just a way to just be real, real and true. Mm-hmm. And I think the community surrounding a lot of gaming and anime kind of verses is one that is oftentimes more accepting. I know that's not always the case, but oftentimes more accepting than the broader community of which you live. As I've mentioned, I am also a major anime fan. And Mm -hmm. so in times of isolation, 
I went into the anime community and I felt understood. I wasn't just the weird chick with a Naruto headband. I was like a Naruto fangirl and that was okay. Yeah. Shit. My headband was a badge of honor. <laughs> in these communities, the things that people in the outside world say are weird are not only accepted, but oftentimes kind of encouraged. And I think that's really important for LGBTQ plus folk. For sure. Mm. Absolutely. <laughs> right. You're carrying this whole show because I'm like, yeah, you know what? You just go ahead. Because uh, I... we just love listening to you talk, <laughs> honestly, because you're so fascinating. <laughs> I mean, it's just... the wonders of being a therapist. You learn pretty quickly that you got to talk or else ain't nobody going to talk to you. So <laughs> you get the gift of gab. And you're so good at it. It's, it's great. I guess sort of my last question is, if there are any other game devs that are out there listening right now, what kind of storylines or characters or mechanics do you wish you had for some of your your clients like uh, what what could be really helpful that's not out there right now so what i really wish there were is i wish there were more positive depictions or good depictions i I don't even want to say positive but just flat out good i'm asking for base ass level good (laughs) good depictions of therapists in gaming yeah i feel like If that's where modern youth, modern folks are hanging out, it's a huge barrier to entry when people see or think of therapy and they think of a very much like sterilized, medical industrialized complex therapist with a notebook paper being like, and how did that make you feel? So when that's the depiction of therapist, ain't nobody going to want to come. Shit, I Mm -hmm. wouldn't want to go if my therapist was just like, and how does that make you feel? Bitch, I don't know. That's why I'm here. So (laughs) I I wish that there were more depictions of therapists where therapists aren't scary. They're not scary. We're not the stereotypical villain. We're not all of these stereotypical things. I wish there were more honest depictions. Just because I feel like if there were and people could see, okay, this is what therapy is and it's okay, then not only would there be less stigma, but that would also bring down a barrier of entry for a lot of folks who want therapy or think that they might, but are afraid of sort of the person providing said therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point because like I think to myself, I'm, huh, how many times have I actually seen a therapist in a video game? And the only example I can come up with is Until Dawn not a great (laughs) representation if you played the game. Um, Exactly. Definitely not a great representation. Actually, you're right. Now that that I remember, yeah. There's also the Counselor Arcana in Persona 5 Royal, the new one. And so there is a therapist, but that's all I'll say about that. Would you guys consider Psychonauts like kind of like a weird... Like not a you know you don't have a therapist character, but there's it's there is kind of like a weird therapy thing happening in that game. But I haven't played it. No, I haven't never. played it, so I don't know. I'm sorry. I know you want to do an episode on it at some point. <laughs> I've I've kind of gotten it through cultural osmosis, but I've never played it as well. Oh, okay. Either of the All two. Right. Never mind. As far as things that I think could be helpful. Games that employ some known therapeutic modalities and not in like a weird scummy meta Facebook way, but in like a, oh, these are modalities that help and work and interventions that help and work and they're included in the game. I think that would be cool. I am doing like a D&D group therapy and what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to employ interventions, but I'm like writing the campaign 
So I'm doing it from a personal stance. Well, I mean, damn, if somebody had written this shit for me. So <laughs> it would be great to have a game that does similar. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Um, unfortunately, we could talk about mental health for forever. Uh, it is such a complex topic and it is something uh, that is very special to me. But uh, we do have to start wrapping things up. I, I do apologize. Um, before we throw to our last segment, uh, where can our viewers find you? I have a website. Well, sorry. Chosen Family Therapy has a website. And I assume that's going to be linked somewhere in the show notes? Yes, we will have that linked for sure. Yes. So I'm there. If you're in California, you can totally request me as a therapist from that site. My licensure is in California, so I can only see California clients or clients based in California. But I am open and accepting clients right now. If you are interested, I'm more than happy to take you folks. Aside from that, we do have a Reddit and we have our website. Awesome. Very cool. Uh, so before we go, we always ask the age-old question. Uh, we'll start with Mike. Hey, Mike, what you playing? Right now I'm playing this scenario in my head where I go to therapy. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I, uh, I'm actually playing a ridiculous amount of Fortnite oh, yeah. uh, is what I am playing. I am playing like way more Fortnite than I ever thought I would uh, and uh, ever thought I should. Yeah, I. it's just they've got me. They got me. Uh, and it's just a good exploratory situation. I don't know. Cool. Uh, Mariah, what you playing? Me? I am playing Sniper Elite 5. Really? Yes, I am. How else does one calm oneself other than shooting Nazis? So <laughs> that is what I've been spending a embarrassing amount of time on. Put me in some tall grass with a rifle and we're having a happy time. So that's what I've been playing since literal release awesome very cool personally i have been playing um inscription uh i was a huge fan still am a huge fan of slay the spire uh so inscription have been recommended to me because it's similar and it's weird because like i don't want to give away too much but it starts off as a deck builder game that's very creepy spooky you're locked into a cabin with a madman who well okay now we're talking mental illness is not um (laughs) Locked into a cabin with an unstable individual. Um, And uh, every time you succeed, he sort of murders you and you have to try again, but filling certain criteria. And then when I think I've beaten the game, it pulls the rug out from under me. And suddenly it is this very cutesy 90s JRPG top-down turn-based, like, what? (laughs) What is the game doing right now? I don't know. I'm only partway through it. And it's really unsettling that, like, it's wildly changed genres from horror to this, and I don't know where it's going. <laughs> it's giving me Doki Doki literature yes, vibes. Yes, very that. Okay. Very okay. that. Okay, I'm down. No idea what's going on, so super excited to find that out. Okay, yeah, and that's what we've all been playing. All right, uh, Mariah, thank you so much for coming out and talking with us. This has been mm-hmm. so eye-opening. Uh, I am probably going to be thinking about this episode for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, This is a fun departure. Thank you both for having me. All right. Thank you guys so much for sticking with us. Uh, We should be going back to our regular release schedule uh, very soon. So stay tuned for more episodes we do have coming down. Uh, Happy Pride Month, everyone. Take care. Goodbye.